0: 18 plus there's no way to get around being inauthentic uh it it shows in all your materials it shows in your captions it shows in everything that you present and so once people start to feel that they start to detach
2: Hello, it's Tony Howell, and I want to welcome you to my podcast. This is our opportunity to have conversations with change makers, seeking ways that we as artists can use our special gifts to change this world. Today we're talking to Drew Shade. Drew Shade is an award-winning journalist and change maker for our Black Future Month. As the founder and editor-in-chief of Broadway Black, he leads an organization that fosters and inspires artistic diversity and excellence in theater, helping to lead the way in building a more diverse and knowledgeable audience in the theater world. Dedicated to highlighting the achievements and successes of Black theater artists on and off the Broadway stage, Broadway Black has been excelled by the likes of Ben Vereen, Jennifer Hudson, Misty Copeland, and many, many more. An actor and artist himself, he was awarded the Mountaintop Award by Actors' Equity Association and Bold NYC for being a trailblazer. But he feels his greatest achievement has been using his own experience and knowledge of the industry to create a community celebrating his own. He lives the life of the Broadway Black slogan and shows what can happen when the theater goes dark.
0: Drew Shade, how are you? Yo, what's going on? I'm well. I can't complain, man. How are you? I am doing so
2: well. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me. That was such a beautiful introduction. I don't even know, like, did I do I live up to all of that? <laughs> that was amazing.
2: <laughs> of course you do. So, fun fact for our listener, we are both from Indiana, and we both went to Ball State University.
0: Yes, 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 we did. Let me just say I've been a fan of yours for a very long time. I mean, all the way back to Cabaret. Where you were the MC, and so like just giving getting that introduction from you, which was like stellar performance. I am I'm just amazed. I'm so happy to be here.
2: Thank you, Drew. So I want to rewind, like Joseph of the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and go way, <laughs> way way back, many centuries ago. Oh God, I'm scared. <laughs> Let's go to Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yes. and tell me about your childhood and when you first discovered theater.
0: Oh wow, um, I was. Uh, I was about eight years old. Um, my mother put me into acting classes at the Fort Wayne youth theater. Uh, Harvey Cox was the director there and he just saw a spark in me. And my mother was looking for activities that I could enjoy after school and things that I could just be, um, just use my time wisely with. And she saw that I had an interest in music and singing and acting. And so she enrolled me into these classes at the Fort Wayne youth theater. Um, that happened, and then I also did classes, a acting class at First Presbyterian Church. I don't remember if it was through the church or not, but it was held at First Presbyterian Church. And I remember that we did a production of, of, um, oh, what is the name of that show? It's about a king, and I was just, it was it's about a king, and he was like a ruler over the land, and I was very upset because I wasn't able to play the king. So I talked my way into being like the king's sidekick, and the king would go around and he would talk to the, the people of the village and, and he would tell them that they were cut from whatever. I can't remember the name of this show. But all I did was I walked around uh, next to the king with my crown and my cape on like I was a king too. And all I did was just put my, my hand up to my neck and said, like they were cut. And that was my whole line. That was my whole stick because I talked my way into being a part of the king's role. Um, so that was like my first, my first remembrance of being in a theatrical show. Um, but then I went on to do uh, so many different things with the Fort Wayne Youth Theater, uh, took voice lessons there, and I just became enamored uh, with the, the art form. And it's been a whirlwind ever since.
2: What is it about theater that's so special to you now as an adult?
0: Um, it's the variety of stories that you get to see, uh, the things that sort of change you and transform you uh, the messages, uh, there's not one way to do theater. There are so many different ways to convey and to, um, so many ways to get your message out there and so many different messages to receive. Um, I, I, my mind has been opened up to, uh, a variety of different, uh, backgrounds and, and cultures and, uh just life in general it, I think it's it's the way to travel without really traveling
2: so tell me go back to Ball State University oh God let's go Muncie <laughs> Indiana Funcy uh, Funcy Muncie Funcy Muncie what did the university give to you in your training there an hour
1: training there
0: uh, the, the university really gave me the the basis and the uh, foundation to be able to uh to be able to um, do character development, to understand what uh, it means to build a show from the ground up, to uh, really understand what it means to work in this industry. Um, As a performer, as a director, as a writer, uh, so many different avenues were opened up to me because of Ball State. Um, Also, Ball State gave me Broadway Black platform, Uh, you know, being the one male, uh, one black male in the musical theater department for my year. Uh, was sort of an eye-opening experience for me. It was difficult for me to find material that I could relate to, that that brought me joy, uh, for my my juries and for uh, just uh, you know uh, vocal classes and things of that nature. So I was looking for material that, I mean, I was looking through all sorts of you know CD booklets before like really the internet became popping. <laughs> um, but I was looking through all sorts of CD books and in the library trying to find material that really fed my soul and it was difficult for me. And so that's the reason why I started Broadway Black, because there was not one area where I could find all this information. Um, so Ball State really was the catalyst for me developing what it is that I do today um, and also helped me uh, develop the foundation that I needed in order to maintain uh, a, a healthy career. So
2: let's talk about
0: Broadway Black for a second.
2: I was reading your catalyst story about seeing kinky boots in Chicago. Can you retell that oh, story yeah. here?
0: Yes, definitely. Um, I had just lost my job. I had been working at a restaurant uh, as a bartender. So, rewind, I, I ended up leaving Ball State, I, I never graduated. I uh, was going through a lot emotionally and mentally and didn't really know what that was. And so, uh, you know, years later through therapy and things, I've discovered that I was in a deep depression um, and that I was dealing with uh, anxiety and performance anxiety as well because I was going into the beginning of a a new phase. And so I ended up leaving my senior year and I went back home and I was working as a, funny enough, a a college admissions Assistant, I was a college admissions assistant for a few years, and then I just didn't want to do that anymore. And so I ended up bartending at a restaurant um, that I love, Baker Street, uh, which my the person that gave me my first job when I was sixteen was the owner of this restaurant. So I was able to connect with him and work at this place. And so I ended up working there for about a year and a half, but I lost my job for. Um, a crazy reason, which was like you know, looking back on it, because me and my boss are still really great friends. Um, it was just a, just destined to happen that way. So I lost my job, and I had tickets for the out of town trial of Kinky Boots, and when I went to um, didn't have really any money, but I went to Chicago anyway. Went to Chicago because I had already bought these tickets. Basically spent, you know, the last that I had to go shopping and just like have, just treat myself. And I was like, I don't know what I'm about to do, but I'm about to figure it out. And so I just like, you know, f- put caution to the wind and just said, you know, fuck it, I'm going to go. Oh, wait, can I cuss on here? You? you may, you have my okay. permission. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, fuck it, I'm going to just go and do it. And so I went to Chicago and I saw Kiki Boots and I was just so in love with the show and with Billy Porter and and just the message that it had and and of acceptance and this is before i was you know really out of the closet at the time i was still in the closet and so it was just a a big thing for me and billy porter has always been someone that i've looked up to and loved and and appreciated his talent and respected and admired and so we waited you know like theater people do we waited at the stage door waited at the stage door for the people to come out and billy porter came out and when i tell you me and my three friends like we Pretty much screamed. We were pretty like, we were like only of a handful of black people in the audience um, at this theater. And so we were waiting at the stage door. And Billy Porter came out and he said, I knew y'all was out here. I because I could hear y'all in the audience. I knew my folks was here because I could hear y'all all the way in the balcony. And that's what we were, because we were screaming and yelling, like, yes, you like, get church. It. like, oh, we were in it like full force. And so uh, he said he knew that we were out there, and he was like, yeah, I knew y'all was out here, so I had to come and greet y'all. He said, but first of all, where are your coats? Because it was nice during the day, and it got a little cold at night. He was like, where are your coats? He said, See, now I'm mother. He was like, now I'm mother, and and y'all need to have y'all coats on. Y'all need to be bundled up. And so we just began to talk, and he just greeted us like he knew us for years. And you know, we walked with him, and I just started telling him about... Uh, This vision that I had for this company called Broadway Black and what I wanted to do and how I felt like I needed to be in New York. And he just looked at me plainly and said, if you feel like you need to be in New York, then you need to get there and you need to do it immediately. And literally, that was the... Inspiration for me that I went back home after you know not having a job and figuring like trying to figure out how I'm going to start over and I said you know what he's right if I'm going to start over I'm not going to do it here I might as well do it in New York City so I sold my furniture I sold my car I sold everything that I had and within two weeks I had picked up and I had moved to New York and that was the beginning of something really special little would I know that a couple of months down the road and me starting this company and me getting into the scene of New York City I would sneak into um, like opening night events and just show up and try to figure out how I can get in. And I would just do that and finesse my way and just smile and talk and look cute and, and finesse my way into, uh, opening night events. And I ended up at the opening night event of Kiki Boots on Broadway. And I sat down at a table and I didn't know where I was sitting at, but I was just trying to, you know, blend in. And I sat down at the table, I had a little drink and you know, I was just observing the scene and taking pictures and, uh, Sitting at this table was another young lady, and she looked over me. She said, hi, who are you? And I said, oh, well, you know, I'm Drew Shade. I'm not really, you know, anybody. I'm I'm a journalist. I I run this platform called Broadway Black. She said, I know Broadway Black. I read Broadway Black. I said, oh, you do? Like, I'm thinking, like, she is lying. Like, she said, yes, of course I read Broadway Black. My brother is Broadway Black. I said, oh, who's your brother? She said, Billy Porter. (laughs) <laughs> said, family oh, table right i said <laughs> oh my god i'm sitting at billy porter's table and so i ended up you know meeting her and her name was uh, eminem mary Martha's her name and i and her became just really really good judy's like we just became really good friends that night and i ended up walking out with her carrying flowers pushing her mother in a wheelchair and and talking with billy porter all over again it was a full circle moment and this was like maybe I had been in the city maybe two months at that point. Um, And so it was just like I was destined to be here. So that's been um, about six years ago now. And uh, so much has happened since then. But I'm forever grateful for that experience and the life that Billy Porter continues to uh, put into the world and and the light that he, you know, continuously shines on me and and the encouragement that he gives me. And um, it's just unreal. It's surreal, to be honest. Yeah.
2: I want to rewind for a second for the listener who is not in New York or the newcomer to the industry who wants to move to LA or to New York, Mm -hmm. but is maybe a little bit nervous. What advice would you give them?
0: Wow. The, the main thing I would say is have a plan, um, have a plan, but know that your plan is never going to be perfect enough. There's never going to be the right time. You're never going to have the, the right amount of money. There's never going to be right opportunity you have to give yourself the right opportunity there's nobody else that's going to give it for you uh, give it to you there's nobody else that's going to um, make it happen but you and don't let anybody else once you've decided that you that's what you want to do don't let anybody else talk you out of it it's your time so make a plan know that it's you know it's the plan may go to shit it, it made totally change once you land in the city. Like, I literally did not have a place to live. I had bought a one-way ticket. I had about $2,000 in my pocket. This is 2012, too. The, the, the Hurricane Sandy had just happened. Um, I didn't know where I was going to find a job. And, and I just basically tweeted out and said, hey, I'm, I'm moving to New York City. If anybody has a room to rent, you know, let me know. Somebody replied to my tweet. And by the time I landed, I saw it. And they came and picked me up from the airport. And I was able to stay in a room in Yonkers which is you know not too far outside the city but you know just a little bit of a journey um and I was able to find a place to live all within hours of landing in the city. And then the next day I found a job bartending because the place was just starting over because of Hurricane Sandy. They were looking for employees. They were reworking their menu. They were rebuilding the restaurant. And so it just sort of worked out where everything had lined up because I had the intention. I set the intention that this is what I wanted to do. And the universe responded to me. So I would just say, go for it, just do it and know that be flexible. That's another thing. Be flexible to what the plan is.
2: So this is 2012. Broadway Black is in existence, but you move to New York and start to make your way in this city. Mm -hmm. What's your advice about building a brand or a business?
0: My advice is to um, be okay with making mistakes. Um, You're learning. Uh, You know, I didn't. I studied musical theater. I never, I never studied journalism. I uh, never studied. Anything as far as building websites, that was just something that I had a, a inkling of how to do, and I sort of just went with it. Never knew anything about, um, you know, incorporating or you know, being an LLC or doing taxes or being a, a full fledged business. That just wasn't my wheelhouse, but I had to learn it in order to get to what it is that I wanted to do. So you're going to have to go through those rough terrains in order to get to the mountaintop. Um, and so what I would say is just make sure that you are diligent in your, your research um, and and go with the flow. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. That's how we, uh, that's how you learn. And that's the biggest, I, I would think that would be the biggest, um, the biggest reason that I uh, have succeeded. And, and I mean, and you know, what is success as well, but, um, I feel as though that I have succeeded because I've set out and done what it is that I wanted to do. And, and I'm continuously learning every day, six years later, I'm still learning on how to maintain and how to be consistent and how to be disciplined. And, um, you know, those are big factors in being, a, in being a business. You have to be disciplined, have to be consistent and you have to be knowledgeable. And so just make sure that you're doing all those things.
2: I want to rewind and ask you, what do you think success is?
0: Success is being happy uh, with what you're doing, with what you place your hands on. Success is um, yes, yes, being happy, but also being able to find a way to monetize your 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 gift. Um, What's your best at? And, and I know that a lot of people say, oh, well, you don't, you know, the the money is not the most important thing. Well, bitch, I got bills to pay. I got things to do. And I got life that I want to live. And I can't live life off of experience. As, mu- as great as it is, um, success is being able to Find a way to do what you love and monetize it. And I've been able to do that. And so I feel as though I'm successful, even if I may be scraping by some days. My bills are paid. I can still eat. Um, I can still live life and, and experience life and not have to worry. And that wasn't always the case. There were some some months and some days where I was literally going to events just to eat. I was going to events just to figure out, oh, well, maybe somebody might let me sleep on their couch tonight. You know, and I'm I'm sharp to the nines, you know what I'm saying? Dressed to to the the very 10 and I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have food to, to eat. Um, and that's a real experience and not everybody has to go through that in order to get to where they want to be. But that was an experience for me and so uh in order for me to in order for me to feel as though i'm i've been successful i just wanted to eat i just wanted to pay my bills um and so that's success for me and i enjoy i enjoy doing what i love you know what i mean and and um i'm not i'm not sacrificing my soul for for a coin either i'm not sacrificing what it is that i my morals and my values just to get paid i'm doing what i love um, I am uh, being adamant about where I stand in my morals and values, and I'm also able to make a coin. That's success.
2: Well, BroadwayBlack.com is very cute. So congratulations thank you, to you. You know,
0: thank you. Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> And it's interesting, I'll just reflect back, in my own business journey and building a brand, there's often a duality to what people see, like what you're saying, showing up dressed to the nines and the tens, mm-hmm. and this is also the world of social media, versus sometimes reality. Do you want yeah. to speak on that?
0: Um, yeah, but that's, you know, social media this day and age has sort of given us a more uh, more insight to how the mirror can be flipped and how you can present one thing and on the other side of it, it's totally not the same. Um, but back, you know, in 2012, people didn't really understand that. And just, that's just now coming of coming of age where people understand that like, Oh, everything that you see is not what's really going on. Um, and that's just part of the business I've learned. Um, at first, you know, I used to be really bitter about it. Like y'all don't get it. Y'all don't understand. Like I've worked so hard and, and I'm doing this and I'm doing that, but nobody cares you know, nobody really cares about that. Everybody's going through their own struggles. Um, and and people want to live in fantasy life and want to live in a fantasy world. And sometimes you have to provide that for them. Sometimes that's maybe your position to provide a fantasy for someone else. And, and maybe they don't want their bubble burst. Um, and, you know, because they need that escape. You're providing an escape for people. And so in order for uh, you to be able to um, be successful in presenting that image and that fantasy. Uh, sometimes you have to do the hard stuff, which is be an image, be a brand, and and sort of you know push your your real life to the back. And not necessarily saying that it's that you what you're presenting is not your real life, but just being particular about what you present. And and um, but now we're getting to a day and age too where people sort of like to see the the behind the scenes, and you just have to be selective on on what that means. Um, and 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 how that can best serve your brand. Um, it's a difficult line to walk. Uh, it's very, um, it's a very fine line to walk, and uh, without you know coming across as brooding or coming across as fake or um, you know not genuine. Um, and you just have to learn. And that's a part of, you know, the making the mistakes part. You know, sometimes I let people in too, too deep into my real life. You know, sometimes you have to push them back. And, and so it's just learning what the balance is for you and what's healthy for you. Um, you know, it's not always healthy to let everybody into your mental space.
2: So in a healthy way, Drew Shade, CEO, can you give us a little behind the scenes peek of what your day-to-day is like?
0: Woo. Um, that's, you know, that's ever changing. Uh, right now I'm in a show at the national black theater called the first deep breath. And so I'm in rehearsals, uh, you know, throughout the days, pretty much, you know, 10 30 to six o'clock. Um, I'm in rehearsals, but I get up early in the morning around 7. AM to sort of uh, look at what's happening in the news, see if there's anything I've missed overnight, anything, any content that I can create, um, that will help me throughout the day that I can set my day up for success. Um, And so, you know, keep the the traffic rolling into the website and keep the traffic happening on our social channels um, while I'm in rehearsal. So I do that. Um, I'll be in rehearsal uh, all day on breaks. You know, everybody will tell you now that, that Drew is always working. Every 10 minute break, I'm at my computer. I'm typing a new article. Every lunch break, I'm not going to eat. I'm typing in something else. I'm answering emails. I'm trying to send out invoices. I am getting money, bitch. Like I'm, getting money (laughs) like that's every single day um and so then after that i'm usually uh after rehearsal i usually like try to decompress for a minute or i'll go uh, and see a show i'll you know have tickets for a show and i have to go do that or i have to go to a press event or you know i also work at mtc i work at manhattan theater club and so i'll go down there to the offices and work for a little bit Um, and then I come home and I set my night up. I set my social calendar for the next day and I go to sleep around maybe midnight, one o'clock last night, it was 3 a.m. Um, and I'm right back up at seven. Um, and so it, it changes, you know, once I'm out of rehearsal, it might change, but you know, that's just more press events, more, more things to do, more lunch meetings, more, uh, you know, advertising meetings and, and marketing meetings. So, um, it it changes from day to day, but it's always a, a propel forward. So that's pretty much what my day is like. What
2: fuels your fire, your hustle, your drive?
0: What fuels me is my, um, my audience. You know, I can't tell you how many people message me or email me uh, about, you know, something that they seen on Broadway Black or something that I said in a, you know, a social or, or uh, something that I said on a podcast or a guest that we had on a podcast or people just thanking me for the platform in general or telling me that. They decided to study musical theater because they saw it was possible through Broadway Black. Uh, they didn't think there would ever be an avenue for them or people telling me that they went into lighting design because uh, I made it known that, they, that that was a valuable career. Um, just the audience, it's its literally every day, it's somebody that almost brings me to tears um, about what the platform has done to, to inspire them. Um, and, and that's all I could ever ask for because that's exactly what I wanted. That was, that was me, you know, 2000, 2005 to 2009 in, at Ball State University. That was me looking for a light, looking for someone that looks like me, that was working in an industry that didn't feel um, so distant, that didn't feel like, oh, that's unattainable because, you know, I'll never be a Brian Stokes Mitchell. I'll never be a, you know, a Norm Lewis. I'll never be, uh, you know, these, uh, Audra McDonald and, and that was my mind frame then, but because, and I think that's because I didn't have the tangible access to it um, and creating Broadway black, that tangible access now seems real. Um, for so many people, you know, for, for, you know, kids all over the country. And so that's, that's what keeps me going because now I'm, I'm sitting down to dinner with Brian Stokes Mitchell and his wife, uh, you know, something that it blows my mind still that, you know, Brian Stokes Mitchell tells me to call him Stokes. Like, yo, don't don't call him. Just, just it's just Stokes. You know that sort of thing was just like full circle moment where I am. These people know my face, they know my name. I'm a part of this industry, and success is right there. It's it's tangible. I can do the same exact thing he's done because he's made a way for me. Um, and and just realizing those things connect, um, and that that it's all tangible. Yeah
2: hmm. In my five years of business, I've seen a desire. I, I joke, everyone wants to be rich and famous. But what mm-hmm. what makes one person want to be wealthy and another person want recognition? And then I think ultimately, we're all after love and safety. Definitely. But you put love and safety together. That's connection. So we're connected right now. And, and yeah. but if you multiply that, that to me is the way that I define community. It's connection scaled.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: How do you define
0: community? Mm. community is, you know, and you're definitely right, the connection there. Uh, community is also uh, the, the uplifting of one another. Community is uh, the ability to, um, to, you know, like Issa Rae says, something that, she, you know, networking across. Um, you know, a lot of times we try to think of, we think of people as, you know, higher or lower than us and we try to network up. And, and everybody's on the same playing field, if you really think about it. And that's community building together, building the foundation and the house together. And uh, community is uh, just a, a free spirit of love uh, in and out. And like you said, connection. I think you divined it beautifully. I, can't, I don't think I can add any, any more to that because that's, that's really what it is. Um, and, and sometimes it's difficult to see you know, who's in your community. Uh, but all you have to do is outreach your hand. And, and somebody's there usually to grab it. And, and I say usually, all the time, somebody's there to grab it. Um, and you have to realize that your community may look different in your mind, but once you start to really look at who the community is, there, it may not be who you expect, but it's always the right person that you need.
2: Before we get into warm fuzzies and darker places mm-hmm. what i'd love to ask about uh from a business sense for someone who wants to create a similar platform or community to broadway black can you talk about some of the keys to success i heard you mention metrics um mm-hmm. and i think representation also matters but what do you what is your sort of what has been crucial to the the growth of your community
0: what's been crucial is being authentic to who i am um you know, a lot of people have said to me, you know, well, why won't you highlight, uh, you know, uh, Latino Americans? Or why won't you highlight, uh, you know, Asian Americans or other people of color? I, I don't know those communities. I, I know black people because I'm a black person and, and not saying that I could not do that. Uh, but my focus is the highlighting of black people because that's the culture and the experience that I know. And me being authentic to that and, and using my platform uh, and my socials in a way that um, allow me to showcase that authenticity of being a Black man in the musical theater world uh, and in the theater world in general um, has allowed people to uh, attach to that. They, they gravitate towards that because it is authentic, because I use what, my own experience to, to build everything that I have. Every, every look, every post, every article is built around my experience and what, what brings me joy, what I feel as though um, allows me to to smile, uh, what makes my heart full, what gets me excited. You know, everything that I type and, and and do literally makes me excited. Like I cannot wait to press publish and I cannot wait to, to send or like if I'm excited about it, then I know my audience will be excited about it. And so that's the biggest thing that I can say is that you have to be excited about what you're doing. Um, once it becomes too daunting, once it becomes... Uh, you know, a chore, then it's no longer going to feel authentic. It's no longer going to be what you want it to be. And people are going to read into that. They're going to see it. it, There's no way to get around being inauthentic. Uh, it, It shows in all your materials. It shows in your captions. It shows in everything that you present. And so once people start to feel that, they start to detach. And so the biggest thing I can say is just be authentic, be true to who you are. And that's the only way to build and you'll discover as you go.
2: Beautiful. Let's talk about marginalized communities mm-hmm. first with sexuality. So we're both gay men. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your journey to coming out and self acceptance?
0: Well, you know, homophobia is rampant in the black community. Um, and, and just the idea, cause I, I'm also a preacher's kid, um, being a, a, a growing up Christian and growing up Kojic at that, which is church of God in Christ. Um, it just there wasn't a lot of room, or any room at all, uh, for being gay, and so that was very difficult. Which is why I didn't come out until I was twenty-five. Even though I had full-fledged experiences and and relationships before then, I didn't really feel comfortable in my skin and in myself to be able to uh, share that with with anyone. And you know, being a black gay man is a double uh, double. Double thing there where you have to deal with uh, the microaggressions of being black and then also the microaggressions of being gay and sometimes those aggressions are macro as well. Um, but uh, my journey to self-acceptance was really um, surrounding myself with people that, uh, that saw the light in me, regardless of whether I was black or whether I was gay. They saw the light in me. They lifted me up and, and uh, showed me that I was valuable. They affirmed me. Uh, in places where I did not think that I would ever be affirmed, um, they strengthened me in places where I thought that that the muscles were always going to be weak. Um, and you know, I've always been a you know I've always been an outspoken, uh, you know boisterous type of person, a voice. Uh, I've, I've always been a voice. <laughs> um, and and you know, I've learned too that that voice came from certain insecurities of not being able to be myself. And so I've been able to fine tune those things because I surrounded myself with people that um, just loved on me, regardless of, of what, what happened. And, and um, it's also about being able to uh, advocate for yourself and stand firm in what you believe and what you know to be true, regardless of what anybody else says. That's, that's one thing that I can say that really helped me on my journey in, in being a black gay man is that I found the values that, that affirmed me. That uh, made me believe uh, in in who I was, um, and and I didn't let anybody deter me from that. There may have been you know moments where I was shaken a little bit because I I battling what you've always known and what you've grown up to know and what you've been taught is difficult to unlearn over the years, and um, I had to learn that that God loves me anyhow, and not even just the anyhow, but He made me. In his image and and he made me this way and god loves me period um uh and and being gay and and you know even being black is not a a sin uh of sorts it's not a um a death wish or a um it's not a it's not a a, a what do i want to say here um being these things are are, are don't don't take away from from my character, they don't um, they devalue don't devalue me. Yes, they don't devalue me, and for so long, I felt as though that I was devalued in certain spaces because of these things, or I was looked upon as a um, as a pariah or a um, maybe even fetishized in some spaces. And that's where I thought that I, my value would come from, where where it could, it could only be one thing, um, and so. Yeah, my journey has been... I don't even know if I did that just made sense, but... Uh, I think my it's beautiful. Been, it's, it's been a discovery process. And that's, that's... I'm living life for discovery. That's something else that we learned at Ball State. What are the stakes? Where, where's the discovery at? You have to continuously discover throughout your life. And if you don't, you're not living, you know? So I just want to live. Black and gay and all. I love it.
2: What are the best changes that you've seen in your lifetime? in terms of these marginalized
0: communities oh wow um just the exposure um you know when i started broadway black there was literally nothing of the sort there was no blavity uh there may have been like black voices but just the exposure in sorts of, of uh, you know, like Out Magazine, or the Out Magazine's been a, a, a out for a long time, but just seeing Black people in Out Magazine and, and other minorities in, in Out Magazine, are advocate, or um, the, the, pub, the publications that were, you know, white-centered. Uh, you know, even for a time, Playbill wasn't really doing uh, or centering Black people or other minorities. Now that's a almost a must. If we don't see it, now we're calling it out. Um, so just the, the, the active voices Um, from the minority community and the exposure um, is really great to see. I I get excited about it all the time for us to be celebrating each other um, in the theater spaces is, is amazing. Uh, And and beyond, you know, it's, it's all over, you know, there's so much happening. I think the biggest thing is the people have a sense of freedom of speech uh, to where that they can, they now feel that they're being heard, you know, with Twitter and Facebook and, and these social channels that can sometimes be a detriment to our psyche, but they also can be an uplifting to our spirits. Uh, and, and that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful change that I've seen. So I, I really thoroughly enjoy that and looking for, forward to the, the voices that come you know, in the years to come.
2: I want to zoom in on social media and what you just said. What are some practical ways that you balance not being triggered negatively by posts, and then creating a more positive experience for yourself through these media platforms?
0: That's very hard because um, I'm a type of person that doesn't like to be, I don't like to be, um, I, I, I say this often and I know it's, it's in a way it's true and in a way it's not, I don't like people. I don't like. <laughs> Say it louder. <laughs> I don't like people. I don't like people. I don't want to know your innermost thoughts all the time. I don't. I want to like you. I want to be able to like you. And so social media makes it hard for sometimes for you just to like people because you get to see all their views, all their political, you know, leanings and and all sorts of different things. And so I want to be able to like people, but it's difficult at times because of social channels. Um, and I've always been a person where I would change, like, and even in college, I would change my phone number every couple of months because I didn't like being accessed. I don't like people to access me. Um, I hate DMs. I hate message requests. I hate emails. Like I hate all of that shit, but why do I have a company? <laughs> that's built like, around look at your life. <laughs> um, so what I have to do is I just have to set intentional times and spaces to where I do not, look at them, set times for myself, you know, going to the gym in the mornings. Um, I haven't been able to do that in the past couple of weeks because of rehearsal and all so many other things happening. But going to the gym allows me just to disconnect from my phone, play some music and just be away. Uh, going on vacation, setting intentional times where for days on end, I do not um, look at my phone or, or go on social media, um, those sorts of things. And, and also, you know, it's difficult because I have to scroll all the time just to find new content um, and to figure out what's happening in the community. Um, learning how to um, affirm myself. Starting my day with affirmations, with "I am beautiful," "I am talented," "I am successful," uh, "I am um, uh, valued," "I am," um, you know, a star. Like just, just making sure that I affirm myself in the mornings and get my day started in a in a um, a grounded way. Um, and sometimes, you know, redoing that, doing that throughout the day and, you know, setting reminders on my phone to where I get a notification where, hey, it's time to pray. Just thank God right now. Uh, thank God for where you are. Thank God for the life that you have because there was a time where you were praying for this life that you have currently. And so just making sure that I set intentions to um, reaffirm myself and to to be thankful and grateful um, for for what, for what God has for me because what other people have it's for them. It's it's totally for them, and and that's beautiful for them. And you can celebrate them and be be uh, happy for them. But the moment that you start questioning and saying, "Well, where is mine, God? Where is what? Why not me?" That's where you've lost it, and you have to recenter yourself and say, "Hey, I have everything that is that is for me, and, and I'm going to get everything that is for me. Um, it's it's coming. It's in, it's in the pipeline." Um, and just remembering those things. I have to sort of, you know, just take breaks throughout the day and reaffirm myself, which is why I'm doing a show right now to, to fuel myself as an artist, because I'm an actor first. I'm an actor, singer, performer first. Um, I, I cannot live without doing that. That's why I entered this industry to begin with. I sacrificed myself for the greater good of the community, um, and, and now I've had to learn how to balance that so that I can give the community my overflow, that I'm not being drained and being sucked dry to where I have nothing to give myself. I have to give the community my overflow. Um, and, and so yeah, that's why I'm doing a show now and, and uh, figuring out as I go, I'm still struggling with that. That's that's an ever going, an ongoing battle.
2: It's beautiful. So what is ahead for Drew Shade? What are all of the things that you're working on?
0: Oh man, um, there's some 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 really nice things in the, in the works. Um, I'm excited to be uh, recording an EP, some music that'll be coming out probably this summer. I do that next month. I go go to Birmingham, Alabama, to record an album, or EP, I should say. Um, and I'm doing this show right now at National Black Theater. Um, I'm auditioning more. Uh, I just you know I never thought I'd be equity, so now I'm an equity member. Um, and I never thought that would happen simply because I wasn't willing to, you know, be a token black person on a Mamma Mia tour and travel the country. Um, I wasn't willing to, um, uh, subject myself to a predominantly white space in order to do, to get that card or to get those points to do it. The the only shows that I've ever done in New York have been black cast and with black theaters. And not saying that I won't ever work with, um, other theater companies, I, I just have to make sure it's a safe space for me, for my mental and my psyche. Consi- especially considering what it is that I do, I surround myself with blackness on a consistent basis. Um, but I also have to work with, uh, you know, the powers that be, which are you know predominantly white, Caucasian people. Um, and so, just finding that balance. But if I'm going to be in an art space, an artist space, I have to um, feel safe. I have to be able to feel safe to be free, to be open. Um, and, and really explore. And that's what I'm doing the art for. So doing the show here in National Black Theater, um, have some music coming up. I also am working on some things, uh, some, some special things like a, a conference for Broadway Black that'll be in 2020. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of things in, in the pipeline. Getting ready for the Tonys right now because that's about to drain my whole entire life come May. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's popping. It's happening. Just one day at a time, though.
2: I want to rewind and and highlight an area for listeners that are not people of color. Uh, When you walk into these rehearsal rooms or audition rooms and theaters and jobs, what can we as allies, what, what can we do to help create a safer space, a more welcoming, inviting space?
0: See me. See me as a person, as a human being. See my color. There's no need to be colorblind because that's, that's who I am. I'm a black man. Um, you know, people are, are who they are. Um, and they bring all of that experience with them. And it's not a, a don't pigeonhole me into what you think that experience is because you haven't lived it. Um, see me for who I am and also, um, treat me as your equal. Um, you know, treat me as though you would like to be treated simple as that. Um, Uh, to to be an ally. And if you see something that is, if you see something that is not, uh, I would say, if you see something, say something like, you know, to say on the train, if you see something, say something. A lot of times uh, in, in spaces where, um, you know, you're the minority, um, you don't really have the voice to be able to speak. You don't really have the, the privilege of being able to uh, speak up and advocate for yourself. And it's only when someone else, um, that is not the minority. Does that? Are you able to really be seen sometimes? And so, if you see something, say something. Uh, be a voice for other people of my, of other people minorities. And believe us, uh, believe what when we tell you our experiences. Uh, don't try to say you know. Don't try to negate our, our undervalue, um, what it is that we experience. Just listen, listen and see us.
2: We know that I called you earlier this month and said, hey, I'm doing this theme called Black Future Month during Black Uh History Month. It makes me a little nervous that people are (laughs) going to to say that I'm claiming the Black experience. Um, (laughs) But that being said, I'd like to ask you, what would be your long-term vision for Black Future? Uh,
0: My long-term vision is... um, Equality, uh, financial equality, uh, uh, opportunity equality. Uh, <laughs> just, I want to be able to be free, freedom. You know, Black people are still not free in this country. Uh, we still have to perform and, and be uh, on edge and be uh, observant of our surroundings, of the spaces that we're in. Um, we have to still have to conform. I want to be Black as fuck. All the time, free to be that and not be judged and not be uh, critiqued by it. And, and um, yeah, I just want to be black as fucking free.
2: I love it. Be black as fuck.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: so, for people who want to connect with you more, Andrew, what are all the different ways uh,
0: to connect with you? No, I just told you I don't like people, so well, I don't. Well, you're gonna understand. get hit with the DMs,
2: <laughs> the emails, the comments. Um,
0: no, you can connect with us on on, on Broadway Black. Uh, all of our social channels are at Broadway Black. Uh, you can also, you know, fi- Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube. You can connect with me personally uh, at Drew Shade on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, you know, I'm that Broadway nigga. Um, so you can find me there. And uh, yeah, email me if you have something that you, you know, definitely want to say or something that you need to, to contact me for. You can do that at contact at broadwayblack.com. Beautiful.
2: Thank you so much
0: for being here. No, thank you for having me, Tony. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you so much.
2: Thank you so much for listening and thank you to Drew for being my guest. I would absolutely love it if you would screenshot this episode and tag Drew Shade, letting him know how much this conversation meant to you. Even though he says he doesn't like it, you know he does. If you haven't already, make sure that you subscribe so that you don't miss an episode and please consider sharing this episode or show with a friend. Remember that our theme this month is hashtag black future month. And I think representation is so important, especially from allies. So please be sure to participate, share a post, highlight a trailblazer or a hero from the past, tag me to make sure that I see it and we'll be featuring the best of on our social channels and in our March show. As always, I welcome your thoughts, your questions, comments, and feedback, whether you send me an email, comment on something, or leave a review. I want to hear from you. I do want you to know that this podcast is only a quarter of the content that we put out every single week. And we do have some awesome live events coming up next week, specifically regarding building a website and some future events down the line. So make sure you hop on over to tonyhowell.me. And if you join our free artist community, you'll never miss out on any of these announcements. So thank you so much for listening. And I cannot wait to connect with you very soon.
1: 18 plus.